we've gotten so oversensitive in this day and age as, as far as politically correctness and terms. And don't get me started on terms. I said disabled and handicapped, but Special Olympics, that is such an old, old white woman term. If my kid is, is got a disability. <laughs> Karen would use yeah, it. Yeah, you know, but it's like <laughs> if my kid had was disabled or had Down syndrome, I wouldn't want them to be special. I'd like it to be called the Challenged Games or the Hero Games or the Inspiration Games. But Special totally. Olympics makes you think of, oh, is he on the special bus? Did he ride that? Does he wear a helmet? All those things. So, Krista. It takes away from the achievement. Yeah. That's kind of the way yeah. I view it. Just looked at it normal. From the beginning, the odds were stacked against Dave Stevens. His 15-year-old biological mother had already made the difficult decision to put him up for adoption. And in 1966, Dave was born with no legs. But something about this guy from Phoenix, Arizona, propelled him farther than anyone ever imagined. He's the only athlete to ever play college football or minor league baseball without legs. Making professional sports history in 96, he signed a minor league contract with the St. Paul Saints. And then he made headlines trying out for the Dallas Cowboys, the Cincinnati Reds, and Minnesota Twins, sharing the field with a solid number of MLB greats. And Dave's got an equal amount of amazing stories to tell. He was at ESPN for over 20 years, a seven-time National Sports Emmy Award winner. He's currently a reporter for the Disability Channel, and he's also, by the way, a stand-up comic and motivational speaker. This episode is packed beginning to end with bucketless career-style resilience and strength. Oh, and he's pretty hysterical with the healthiest attitude about always evolving yourself, what you do for a living, and not taking a thing for granted. Dave, thanks so much for joining me on the show. This is a little reunion for us. I actually never got to spend enough time with you when we worked together, and I regret that. It's great to see you and, and to see, you know, the amazing things that you've accomplished, you know, since in those Aww. five years. So, and your kids, your daughter, your, I mean, it, it's just awesome to see <laughs> so much in your world. Well, thank God for social media, right? In that regard, we can keep up with each other. And thank you. Speaking of being impressed, anyone would agree that what you've achieved is inspiring and amazing. The only athlete ever to play college football or minor league baseball without legs. There's so much more to chat about as far as how you've morphed your career at various stages. I think the best place to start is how you decided to get into sports, how you were beating the odds, getting in at a time when there were very few accommodations or programs for disabled students. So let's start there. Well, Krista, I was a high school student in Arizona, and just like all the other kids, I had just thought of myself as normal. And so then I started going out for these teams and the state of Arizona made me get tested and blood tests and muscle tests. And at some point they said, okay, we can't stop him from doing it. And so I just figured, well, I'm going to turn my disability into my ability. And so I started playing football. I wrestled, I played baseball and then started knocking others out of that lineup where parents were like, well, my kid has two legs. How is this guy beating him out of the lineup for football and wrestling and stuff? So nice. it propelled me into an era where there was no internet. And suddenly I was on a TV show called That's Incredible. Mm -hmm. I remember it. The same green room, this little five-year-old kid was hitting golf balls off my fake legs. That was Tiger Woods. So I mean, That's fantastic. my life has had this weird parallel with all these amazing things, but sports really got me to that level. My knowledge of sports, my thirst for sports. And I had that dream at an early age that I wanted to replace Howard Cosell and I wanted to play professional baseball. And those were my bucket lists. And that's why 
it meant so much to me to not only get to that point, but to achieve those things. I'm probably the best story that nobody's ever heard <laughs> uh, because we didn't have the internet, you know, but I have got the video, I've got the newspaper articles, and I've got the memories uh, to, to do what most people, like you leggies, I call you leggies, <laughs> um, but most of you people leggies only dream about doing. Speaking of dreams, you made headlines in 1990 when you actually tried out for the Dallas Cowboys. Amazing. And you played professional baseball with the minor league St. Paul Saints. This is all incredible stuff. How did you fight the fear? And how did people receive you? I'm sure there were some jerks along the way who weren't that kind. Uh, you know, I've had my pass across those jerks. Yeah. I was at an Olympic baseball tryout in the same outfield with Barry Bonds. Hmm. And there was another player at the time. These were college guys at the time. And we're walking across the field. I was invited to this tryout. And I'm on my arms walking across the field. And Odeby McDowell, who's another former major leaguer that would be, he's like, you want a piggyback ride? Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, man, that'd be cool. So I jump on his back. We start walking. And Barry Bonds is like... Why are you wasting your time with him? Put him down. He's not going to make the team. Don't waste your energy, man. Don't waste it, man. And, and I just looked at Odeby. I'm like, you can put me down. I don't want to get... And he's like, that's just Barry being Barry. So you get those naysayers. It was neat to see Barry grow up to be a steroid head and a jerk. I got to see that at an early <laughs> age. But, you know, I, I never let it get me down. I think, Krista, when veterans and people lose body parts... That's a whole different world. But I was born this way, so I only know one way. And I had to learn to crawl before I could learn to crawl. So it's like I've had to evolve and learn how to do adaptive things that people don't know how to do. Right. There was no how to play football for dummies without legs. So I just had to learn and evolve and work with Nerf balls and tennis balls and things that helped me. And then that helped me get a college scholarship. It got me on TV. It got me a job at ESPN. And... I got seven Emmys that don't say because you don't have legs. It's just you've won awards. They're just your name, and they mean so much. It, it doesn't label you. Handicap is a word for golf. <laughs> Disabled is how you describe a car. True. And for me, it's like I don't fit that mold. If you looked at my resume and said, wow, tried it for the Cowboys, did this, did this, and at the bottom it says he doesn't have any legs, you'd be like, that's not possible. But anything is possible for shooting for those dreams. Do you credit your parents or... Where does this mindset come from that you've had really all your life? I mean, it started out early, strike one, born without legs, strike two, put up for adoption from the hospital, and then strike three sort of is an, a loving older couple, a World War II veteran and a housewife adopted me, but they were older, they were really poor. We moved 13 or 14 times. I went to five or six different schools, which again, when kids are not used to somebody without legs and you go to a new school and you got to readapt and, and we moved sure. around. And so I just always had that chip on my shoulder that I wasn't going to be like this. And I took my kids to my first house a couple of years ago in Arizona. And Brady said, Dad, why did you choose to live here? And I said, Brady, I didn't choose to live here, but I could choose where I wanted to go. And that's why your show is so important about those bucket lists, because they're all achievable. If you work hard, you make sure that you do the right thing. And, and, and like you have to work so much harder than everybody else if you want to just be looked at as normal. People stare at me. People stare at me every day of my life. I heard that one of the worst things I've ever heard still in Still in this world, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. still in this world, like I get it. You know, you're not a kid, I'm not a kid. Things were different 20, 30, 40 years ago. But I, I you know, I'm disappointed to hear that, but go on. No, it was just this woman and her child were coming out of Walmart. I'm rolling into my wheelchair and this little kid says, mommy, mommy, look, that guy has no legs. And the mom says, as she whips by, wow, isn't that really scary? 
And I'm thinking, oh, come on. it's not like the moms that normally say, don't say anything or hush or whatever. It's, it's just like, what is she teaching that child that, that I'm a freak, that people like veterans and people that are a little different, like it's, it's just our normal. No, and we need to do better than that. that. We've got to educate the people. So it's not okay. Krista, I'm not a hero. I'm not a role model. I'm just this dude that has loved <laughs> life and has gone out. I've got a crazy sense of humor and, and it helps me. But, you know, raising three kids is probably the biggest challenge and the biggest thing that I've ever done in my entire life. Oh, I hear you. I have three as well. Well, you've won seven Emmys, as you mentioned. You're also a reporter, a broadcaster for years. You work for the Disability Channel. What was your favorite interview? What do you think made the most impact on you in terms of one particular person you got to get to know? It's funny because a lot of these athletes and celebrities end up giving me their phone numbers and we end up staying in touch and Lee Steinberg and J.B. Smoove and, and all these guys. But I'd say the first, the first time out of the gate was with Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. I come to training camp at Patriots and we're sitting down and and Rob is a goofball, and, and we, we start the interview, and I'm like, hey, Gronk, I'm always on my butt. My butt's always getting, you know, really, what do I do to get it off? And he's sitting there kind of looking at me, and I'm like, dude, you use Tide Pods, because he was pinching Tide Pods at the time. Right, like the Gronk that I know is from commercials. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he, he laughed, and that broke that mold. And then I got home after the interview. Two weeks later, the New England Patriots sent me two 8x10 photos signed by Gronk saying this was the best interview of our life. And so since that time, we connect, you know, every now and then for interviews and things like that. But it's just neat that guys like Aaron Rodgers and Larry Fitzgerald and all these people that tell me I'm their hero or they've been inspired by me and that. And, And it really... I hope that people can look at me and go like, well, if he can do it, anybody can do it. And, and to realize that, yeah, yeah, wow, let's embrace these kind of things in this world because the, the biggest minority in the world is the handicap world. We are the biggest minority with the smallest voice. We don't get to say half lives matter because I don't have legs because that would be offensive. I can get away with that, but in this day and age, we can't say those insensitive things. But we don't have jobs. We don't have those same opportunities. Next week is Handicap Employment Awareness Month, but I'm like, they're all still doing computer jobs from home if they have a disability or they're at Stop and Shop or Walmart or cashiering or something. And Totally. That's why I'm glad I'm at Quinnipiac University starting Ability Media where we can start that voice for kids and students and people to have that voice, get in television, be actors, actresses, singers, entertainers like yourself and, and be able to have those role models because there aren't a lot of actors and athletes and things with disabilities. And this is why you got into motivational speaking, I would imagine. Everything that you're saying makes so much sense, but we just don't necessarily always have the platform where we're hearing it. So what is your main goal in terms of what you want to say to people, your message? I want people to, when I come out on stage and just be blown away, first, they're seeing this dude without legs walk around on the stage and move around. Right. Just that impact at first. Yeah. Second they're probably going to listen for a little bit. So it's important for me to hit a home run every time, but talk about, again, you can do these things that I've done. Or if you have gifts, my gifts is that I don't have legs and I wouldn't want a different life any other way because it's opened up opportunities for me. Some people with disabilities can't embrace that. And some people with abilities treat people with disabilities like they're 
have leprosy or they scared or it's like I need to teach empathy, not sympathy. And for everybody to go, look, that kid in a wheelchair, he might be a good person to come manage this place. Or I need somebody with a blind person who, who you know, we have these abilities and things because companies don't like to use software that have to change the way they do things. So if people could take that message away is that if this guy without legs can achieve all that stuff, what's my excuse? Even at any age. And again, getting back to that bucket list, you know, I still have things that I want to yeah. do. And it, your bucket list doesn't end. You know, Thank you your bucket list gets reinvigorated because you've been forced to either lose a job or have a career change. And suddenly I have to be a motivational speaker because that's the only tools I've got is to talk about my life. I got training with the Zig Ziglar Institute, learned how to craft my thing. And, and I put a lot of humor into it, you know, and next week I'll be doing stand up for the first, well, I call it sit down, but I'll be doing stand up comedy for five <laughs> ten minutes at this <laughs> charity cute. event. Where, where is that going to be? It's going to be in Carlsbad, California on the 28th. It's another thing on my bucket list that I've always wanted to do. Yeah. But I'll start, you know, I'm going to have to have that elephant in the room and, and talk to the audience about this and try to bring that humor. Some people might be put off and hopefully some people will laugh. There's a great comedian on America's Got Talent right now that has cerebral palsy that is, is just amazing to watch. So again, we're okay to look at. You can laugh at us if you let us laugh with you. You know, it, totally. it's okay. We've gotten so oversensitive in this day and age as, as far as politically correctness and terms. And don't get me started on terms. I said disabled and handicapped, but Special Olympics, that is such an old, old white woman term. If my kid is is got a disability. <laughs> Karen would use yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's like if my kid had was disabled or had Down syndrome, I wouldn't want them to be special. I'd like it to be called a challenged games or the hero games or the inspiration games, but special totally. Olympics makes you think of, Oh, is he on the special bus? Did he ride that? Does he wear a helmet? You know, those kind of things, those, all those things. So Krista, it takes away from the achievement. Yeah. That's kind of the way yeah. I view it. Just looked at as normal. That's what it's all about. And as far as like the next generation, you're also an instructor at camps and they call it limb different athletes, right? And, Football, soccer, baseball, softball, cheer, and tumbling. I love that. So what stays with you most after working with these kids? When I get an opportunity to work, uh, to take a blind girl or a child who is blind, teach her how to hit a baseball and run the bases, and here's a legless guy taking a blind girl around, then I let her go, and she comes to my voice, and she touches third. And mm -hmm. it's those moments that really, you know, touch me every time I think about it. I get choked up. Or, or teaching a kid without legs how to do football push-ups and how to do, you know, it's all these things because I didn't have those role models. I didn't have anybody right. to look up to. And now with the internet, there's a high school player with one arm that just got a, a NCAA Division One scholarship. Shaquem Griffin has one hand and is playing football for the Miami Dolphins. We have Jim Abbott. We've got Dave Stevenses. We've got a lot of those people out there that thanks to the social media on TikTok and YouTube and all those things that I do. Are you on TikTok, by the way? You I'm are on TikTok. My kids. I'm impressed. They're so embarrassed by the things, you know, you try to do <laughs> dances and you know, I dressed up as an elf at Christmas and did a stupid dance and stuff like that. And, uh, but see, you're funny. Like this is my problem with TikTok because I've been struggling with it. I even mentioned it in one of my podcasts. I said, I promise something is coming because I have an account and I keep plugging it and there's nothing there, but I just like don't want to be this tragic mom yeah. who's on there. 
And how do we get past that? It's like, come on, just someone said to me, a fellow podcaster, he's like, the water's fine. Just dive right in, right? Well, that might be the best thing too, because they're going to see a side of you that they don't normally see. So if you're lip syncing to a song or you're doing one of those, you know, ocean spray <laughs> things on a skateboard, or <laughs> I try to either put some good out there, which nobody ever sees, but then you put the outrageous out there and that's what gets the clicks because that all these, clicks, right. they have a 15 second attention span. And if they're not entertained or not engaged in those 15 seconds, it's swipe and wipe. And that's the same way for dating and the world and Facebook and all that yeah. kind of stuff. This is what you have to do, Dave, if you want to be connected and, and your message obviously is so important. So I actually just wanted to also ask you how you got started in speaking because I just don't know where to begin. What was like your first gig and how did that progress during COVID? Because I'm sure you had to navigate that and pivot around a little bit. Did you do some virtually? Let's talk about that. Like many people uh, like yourself, it decimated our careers. It, it just, I can't yeah. be in public and nobody wanted to do it. Zoom, they were trying to figure it out. And by the time that was done, it was summer and kids were out of school. And then the schools aren't booking for the next semester or colleges and businesses. And I did one virtual for GoDaddy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to get my start, it was somebody saw my story at ESPN when I was doing something and they reached out and said, would you like to try it? And so I went to a couple of schools and at first I was just kind of just talking about me too much. And it was about me, me, me. And then I, I went to mm. the Zig Ziglar School of Speaking in Texas. Okay. They taught me that, again, you have to leave your audience with something tangible, not just a t-shirt or a hat that they want to buy at the end, but something tangible. So while it is a little bit about me, it's also those life lessons that I talk about bullying. I talk about losing my parents, my mom dying the day I left for college and my dad a year and a half later and turning to drugs for a year and all these things that I've had to overcome because, again, life without legs is not a bed of roses, you know, because I, I, when I'm in those bed of roses, I get thorns on my butt. So <laughs> I have to think about life from a different perspective. And uh, just the other day, I interviewed Chris Berman from ESPN, one of my old colleagues, a legend. And I, I like to ask different questions like you do. And I said, well, I was the first disabled person you ever worked with at ESPN. And what was that like? And he was kind of like, we never thought of you as disabled which kind of shocked me nice. that after a couple of weeks, we saw you did a good job at your job. And we sat there and we thought, what was it like for Dave to go home? What did he do at his house? And then they thought he's just like us. So amazing. Your message has to come from what are the, what's the lowest points you've been in your life? How did you overcome that? You've obviously created a great show about bucket lists and you're getting a lot of insight from those people. So it's like, what caused you to start this? Was it by, I need to sure. find employment? I'm, you know, my kids are empty nesting and I need a new job or I'm going to get. Are you asking me actually? I would say in the pandemic, we were all in lockdown. We were obviously in this new Zoom world and it just felt right. I was working on something else, another project with regard to fashion and the right outfits for anchor women. Da -da, and I spent some time researching that. And then I pulled back because it was like a little too far from my skill set. And, you know, I think it was Rob Patron. Do you remember the food show host, Rob Patron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was doing some podcasts with a network called Believe and they were looking for someone. So had never been someone who listened to podcasts 
really didn't know much about it. A little bit of a ramp up, but it was a great time to start because I was able to do Zooms with people all over the country. So that's how it came about. But you're right. I mean, I really think that the bucket list career concept is not just about a dream gig. It's about an evolution. And you keep changing. The way you've morphed your career is a perfect narrative for what we're trying to do and inspire people. And like you said, you need to give some tangible takeaways for your listeners as a speaker. So that's a good transition. How can we end this podcast with some good takeaways from Dave Stevens on professional purpose? Do you believe in that, number one, and how do you achieve it? I just think you, you have to get up every day with a goal in mind. A goal is part of your bucket list. And yeah. so it's like, you've got to do something out there that's going to make a difference and not just sit around and let your life fall apart. We're not here that many years. And so I've got... I don't know, five, 10 years on these arms before I'm going to have to get like a Roomba that just takes me around the room and, you know, that kind of thing where I can mop the floor and sit down at the same time. But for everyone, we're living longer. So what are you going to do for those extra 10, 15 years when you're 55 and 60 and 65? Like we're not ready to go to the old folks home. We have medicines, we have technology, we have all these things that are giving us. So continue to have those things where, okay, if we're forced out of our jobs at 55 and 60 and whatever, and all the young kids are taking those jobs, well, then what is your talent going to be? I would say, okay, Krista, don't give up that, that goal as far as getting in fashion. I can connect you with some people now that I'm in the fashion world. And it's like, if you still have those thoughts, think about that. I see your face light up. And it's like, those are the goals. Those are those things that, hey, I don't know if I can do it. And that, if I just sat around and thought, I can't do this or what if, or I would have just sat back and, and sold pencils on a street corner at Walmart or something like that. So <laughs> I hear you. Those, dreams, those things that you want to shoot for, you know, it's like, if you want to be on Broadway, you've got a great voice. You've got such good talent, you know, it's like, then don't waste it. Just go out there and figure it out. And as we ease up in this COVID thing, utilize your gifts. You are talented. You're beautiful. You have a wonderful family that's talented all these musicians and singers and people that like, it's like you guys could start your own reality TV show, you know, or something, especially in this day and age. You are so good for my ego, Dave. Well, that's funny you say that because so I sing, for those of you that don't know that. And then Colin obviously plays guitar and sings and also my oldest. And I was like, guys, we have to start a band. And of course, Olivia, who's 18 and now in college is like, please, mom, you're killing me. But I have had that thought, like at one point in our lives, we are going to perform as a family, even if it kills my kids. <laughs> They're rebooting everything. They're bringing back the Wonder Years. So why not a new Partridge yeah. family type thing? Like you could have a Partridge family without the lip syncing <laughs> and it. the bad talent and you know all that stuff. Minus the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this has been so much fun. So where is the best place for people who are listening to follow you and find out more? DaveStevenSpeaks.com. We just revamped the website, uh, merging it with Ability Media at, the, at Quinnipiac University. But DaveStevenSpeaks.com is how you can book mm-hmm. me or see videos or links. And then all my social media, like I said, it's Dave Steven Speaks on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, even on Twitch. But I don't do much on Twitch. My kids want me to film myself playing video games because I play a little Call of Duty. And they're like, you can make millions. I'm like, why? Because they would stare at you. Why? Because I don't have any legs? Yes, that's what they would do, Dad. And you can make money and they'll pay you. And I'm like... You're little managers, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right, Dave. Thank you so much again for doing this. It was really great to see you. Be well. I'll be following all that you're doing. 
Thanks for being with me for another Bucket List Careers episode. Don't forget to share if it spoke to you. Every bit of support helps me and helps to grow the show. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.